0: And welcome to Habs Unfiltered. I am your host, Blaine Putvey, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good afternoon. How's it going?
1: Not too bad. Nice to have a day off and uh, about to go work security for the Trenton Golden Hawks for the night. So looking forward to uh, some live hockey tonight. Hopefully they can pick up another win.
0: Well, you know security. You know security serious if they're bringing you in a oh, registered I weapon.
1: I know, right? Gonna <laughs> <laughs> go fight off all those Trenton locals.
0: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and if they get out of hand, you just throw them that blue steel look, don't you?
1: Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just cross my arms and just look at them, be like, "I'm better than you."
0: <laughs> <It's> glorious. Yeah. <laughs> Stop a ninja star in its tracks. You're all set. Pretty,
1: pretty much, yeah.
0: You are Trenton's version of Zoolander.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I've I've been doing this for a few years now, and I've actually only had one run-in with a fan, so it actually hasn't been too bad.
0: And you get to watch hockey for free. Exactly. (laughs) It's not a bad bad gig at all. That's right. Uh, So for this episode, uh, we are going to talk a little bit about the Calgary game, the Edmonton game, as we record it Sunday. December 4th so those games are just fresh in our minds and then we'll touch a little bit on the overall western road trip that the Canadians are on it's a short episode unfortunately we don't have Treg here with us Uh, he's got a family uh, event that he's at right now Uh, he sends his regards to everybody and he thanks you for continuing to click on his stuff so without further ado we'll we'll just dive right into the Calgary game so Montreal rolls into Calgary it's Monahan's return to the Saddledome uh the Canadians somehow win two to one but I wanted to start with the Monahan tribute and what you saw of it
1: I think it was it was classy I think I think it was something that we kind of expected uh he was a yep. well-liked player out there and I don't think they would have moved on to him. If if it hadn't been for the, the, the size of his contract and maybe the fact that uh, they were looking to get young, well, not even necessarily younger, just to get, um, they're trying to bring in more offensive weapons and they knew that they were going to bring in some guys and have to spend a hell of a lot of money to do it, uh, bringing in Kadri, uh, Weger, uh Hubertot, etc. And and signing them to contracts, they probably wouldn't have moved on from them. But uh it's a it's a deal that right now is where really worked out for the Canadians. And if they can flip him for a a prospect or a first round pick, then it's a massive win for Hughes. But uh about the tribute, yeah, it was classy. I think he really appreciated it and uh he ended up having a very good game against his former team. So it's kind of a win win yep, He him.
0: did. Uh I I they showed some of it on TV but mostly it was his response to the fans i mean he's normally a very reserved quiet person anyway but you can tell he was moved emotionally i mean this yeah. is a guy who was drafted by that team spent his entire career up till now with that that city yeah. those people and it meant a lot to him you can tell yeah. and he was motivated i think to show treliving that he made a mistake that signing kadri uh, to a larger deal for a longer term for someone who at, as of the recording of this episode has less points than Monaghan yeah. was an error. And I understand why uh, they, they were worried about uh, Monahan's health moving forward. And I agree. This is a massive home run for the Canadians. Right. Uh, getting a first round pick just to take him on and then have him play as a second line center already. If they score another first round pick, uh, we'll be able to look back in about five years if this Canadians team is a Stanley Cup contender and say the this move was a major uh, reason why. Right.
1: I think most people are obviously going to take Kadri over Monahan, but as we record right now, they both have 16 points. Yeah. Right. So, I, I, as I said, it's a massive win so far for Hughes. If they can flip him, as you said it would be a a huge win. And uh, there's going to be people that are out there at
0: the deadline that are going to want this guy on their team. Absolutely. I know there's a big discussion about keeping him, signing him to a contract, and the Canadians are exploring that option. Uh, Hughes has already said that they are looking at that, but they're looking at all the options available to them. And in the long term, really, they are better off to trade him for a large asset. And he is on the lookout for another first. And if a first is offered, you take that first. Yeah. So it's
1: something you're gonna jump on.
0: Yeah. Now, with that being said, Monaghan did have, as you mentioned, a great game against Calgary. And it didn't take long for him to be noticed. 13 seconds to be a matter no. of fact.
1: Yeah. Um Well, you look at the you look at the play at the start of the game. Um, you know, they had him out there for the opening faceoff, which was great to see. Um, and as you said, it only took 13 seconds for the puck to be in the back of the net. Uh, Markstrom made, I, a, a play to the puck that perhaps maybe he shouldn't have made because puck ended up finding Slavkowski and it was soon in the back of the net and, uh, it ended up being one, nothing Canadians right up to the tail end of the second period. So, um, it was, it was, a it was a game that, uh, in general, the Canadians probably shouldn't have left with a win but they found a way they found a way to do so they were uh they were outshot uh 46 to 19 19. in that game yeah and uh jake allen came up large and uh he definitely he definitely stole that game for the canadians it was not it's not a lot of uh, we don't hear it very very often now um they actually did a graphic the other night about uh some of the best goaltenders in the league or over the league the last few years and how they've been stealing games. And the the stats this year don't point to that direction, but uh, last or uh, on Thursday nights, uh, Jake Allen definitely stole that win for the Canadians.
0: Well, it's obvious that the Canadians goaltending tandem has been playing above expectations or one of the yes. better tandems in the league for uh, expected goals against and all that. Right. And it's not a surprise that they're competitive because those goalies are keeping them in the games. I mean, you look at the amount of chances that the Canadians gave up in that game. Now, it, there's only a handful that were given up by Calgary. Four high danger chances to be a matter of fact. The first one being that goal by Monahan, which I or by uh, Slavkovsky on Monahan's play. Now, I can understand why uh, Markstrom came out to play the puck. Otherwise, it was a clear breakaway for Monaghan. He made a little mistake, but I think that the bigger error was the two defensemen allowing Monaghan to just slip between the two of them without being touched. That was true. And and then Slavkovsky, of course, burying that goal. Excellent, excellent follow-up play by him. Now, back to the Canadians. Goaltending and the high-danger chances. That game, uh, if... If you were into uh, going to dungeons and being dominated, this was the game <laughs> for you because the Canadians, which I am, <laughs> absolutely dominated. They did. I mean, they did. high danger chances for Calgary, 14 Canadians, four. Uh, the Corsi, four percentage. The Flames were at about 65%, meaning they controlled the game 65% of the time. They had 78% of the high danger chances. And they were at about 66% of the expected goals for. This is a game that every stat says they should have won and won big. Right. And this is where Jake Allen did step up. I mean, he had a couple of bad games prior to this, but he's got a newborn. He's probably not sleeping that well when he's playing at home. Right. He goes on the road, gets a solid night's sleep, and then turns into Superman.
1: And, uh, we even saw how the Canadians were playing. They, they were, they were getting in the lanes. It was kind of like the San Jose game. Yeah. But San Jose, how they played and got in the lanes of every shot that the Canadians were trying to take. And, um, they were able to do that. And, uh, Savard's been doing that all year and he had seven blocks in that game. So, um, and they also played a game with, uh, a full 6 defense, well they put seven defensemen actually um uh, but they played with six defensemen which we'll get to for the next game because that wasn't really that wasn't really the case for the uh for the majority of the Edmonton game so um but with the, with with the Calgary game it's just this team doesn't quit and they were given an opportunity late late in the uh late in the game as they said they were playing um 11 forward seven defense um, again, the fourth line didn't provide very much. Wideman only played just over six minutes, as did Pizzetta. Um, and it was the same thing for the Edmonton game. However, Pitlick uh, jumped into that. Um, fourth lines needs to be better. It's there's no there's no other way of putting it. Um, but they were finally given an opportunity on the power play, and Caulfield uh, Caulfield scored off of a great pass from Suzuki when. Another uh, with with a secondary assist to uh, to Sean Monahan and uh, the power play starting to heat up a little bit. It's not as um, predictable as what it was, but it's still quite predictable. You know who it's going to. You know who's going to shoot, but they're making
0: it work as of right now. And uh, I think it's more to do with the speed of execution. You know, it's you know who the shooters are. Yeah, but instead of. Pass, set up, pass, set up, pass, set up. Shoot! It's quick pass, quick pass, shot.
1: Yeah, get it on. You're the other
0: Yeah, you're not giving the other team time to set themselves, and that right. I think has been the difference in this road trip thus far.
1: Well, it's a, uh, it's how it's how they they set up as well. Like we know yeah. that the we know that Suzuki's got an underrated shot, and
0: he's got the move. It's where... so unsustainable, though. Exactly, completely unsustainable. Um.
1: But it goes up close to the blue line. He comes in, he skates in. It's a quick wrister. And he's got and it's a very underrated shot, as I said. With Caulfields, they try to get it around the around the just south of the faceoff dot. What we saw the other night was the fact that they were trying to and against Calgary, they were trying to put him closer to the goalie. And maybe a little just like a little backdoor pass type thing. And it was, it was causing a little bit more grief for the defenders because he wasn't just stationary in that one position. So it's something to, uh, something to look forward to in the next few games and maybe that they're going to mix things up a little bit.
0: Well, if the playoff is the playoff, if the power play is clicking, it can steal games. I mean, Jake Allen was a massive piece of that game against Calgary, but that... That power play goal by Caulfield off that gorgeous cross seam pass by Suzuki, that was the winner. And right. you want your power play. And the Canadians only had, uh they had three power plays that game. They went one for three. They shut down all the other ones. So if you're winning this special teams battle and your goalie makes unbelievable saves, you have a shot. Now the right. game against Edmonton, well, <laughs> well, <laughs> they that was a game they should have won but lost. So it kind of evens out.
1: Yeah, so talking about special teams, going into that game, um, you had the fifth-best penalty kill going against the fifth-best power play. However, we're not really talking five-on-threes. We're talking penalty kill in general. We're not talking about consecutive, consecutive, consecutive five-on-threes.
0: We'll get to that in a moment. I just wanted to make it clear. I want to talk about the the game at five on five because the Canadians right. absolutely dominated they that did. game. They did. They did. They were sixty three percent on the Corsi four. Uh, they were well. They were only fifty percent on the high danger chances. I mean, eight each, um, and they had a couple more scoring chances. Uh, the the expected goals for were about even. And I think that has a lot to do with the skill level of the Oilers. Now the Canadians controlled possession, but whenever Edmonton had the puck on McDavid's stick, it was dangerous.
1: Yeah, which it which it always will be against most teams. And yeah, before we move on to our next part, shout out to Caden Gooley for actually putting his hands on McDavid and not taking a penalty. And no one shot him. No, and nobody, nobody crucified him. He didn't end up in the box for the rest of the game.
0: Actually, I was, I was rather impressed by uh, his mobility and his ability to stay with, uh, stay with McDavid as McDavid's coming in almost top speed to get himself set up. And yet, Gooly just stayed right there with him, kept his gap, was able to rub, uh, rub him out of the play. Uh, Gooly also played a strong game throughout. I mean, there's some errors. He's still a rookie, but overall, I mean, the guy played over 20 minutes against some of the most uh, potent offensive players in the NHL, and he did not look out of place. No, not at all. Which bodes well for the Canadiens' future on the blue line, but not so much in that game because another segment of the blue line uh brought some issues like Jacki made a small uh, made an error behind the net at the end of the period causing a, p- a penalty to be called and from there it's snowballed yes it would be the nicest term I could use yeah, it was a very
1: it was a very steep hill because that snowball <laughs> it grew pretty quick let's just say that more
0: of a cliff yeah. more of a cliff because that was that was ridiculous it was It was. I mean, holy Jesus. At one point I I asked on Twitter if any team had ever spent an entire period shorthanded, you know, just to find out, not just shorthanded, but shorthanded by two persons. Yeah. It's just ridiculous.
1: Ridiculous. Well, let's look at some of the penalties. Like the Jack Eye penalty probably shouldn't taken it. And, um, Thank you to Jack Michaels for bringing it up every about 15 seconds. And like, I know I've got a good friend of mine. I I got a good friend of mine that I know that's going to listen to this show. And they know I'm not a Jack Michaels fan and I'm just going to keep saying it. So,
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can see why. It's
1: just, it's just like, he calls a good game. It's just how he calls the game
0: it it highlights
1: everything's everything's going to be a highlight everything's going to be like emphasis on you know big david or whatever like the whole time and it's just like the most annoying shit ever because it's just like it's like when he gets really going it sounds like he's getting choked and we did talk
0: about being dominated earlier so it's true you know there's
1: correlation with that
0: (laughs) I wonder what the safe word was for the referees in that game because the Canadians
1: could have used it. The Canadians needed it. That's for sure. But um, like Emerson takes a penalty first five on three happens, right? Um, Kirby doc holding penalty, which was that one was iffy at best, right? He's going side by side with McDavid. McDavid goes down flops. Like he just got shot. And Doc goes to the box, right? It looked like he toe-picked. Right. But then 12 seconds later, um, that's right, 12 seconds later, Emerson comes in, gets a stick up high, um, rubs Hyman out along the boards. Hyman gets cut, slow to his feet, gets a Band-Aid put on his head, is out there for the next shift. And now, that uh, and, penalty, and, 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 and I want to And Edmonton, Edmonton's out the rest of the game with a five, uh, yeah. five in a game for a crossjack.
0: I completely agree that that was a penalty. Absolutely. I'm even, Absolutely I'm even on board with a four minute because he cut him. But judging by what they've been calling over the last couple of years, that should not have been a five. No, they've let have been a worse. Five. They've let worse go.
1: And even the four, he didn't cut him with his stick. It's because he forced his head into the boards and then his visor cut his head.
0: But I I mean, I can still, still still give him,
1: I would accept a four over a five in a game, especially at that point in the game where having your, one of your top four defensemen in the game could have really helped the situation with the Canadians. And maybe it yeah. maybe turned it maybe turned this into a victory. You never know. Yeah. But I don't but yeah. I don't agree. I don't agree that it was fun, especially no. especially that... since especially since Hyman continued to play and uh, he picked up he picked up uh, two assists in the game, uh, one of them being just a couple minutes after his alleged injury that he was slow to slow to skates for.
0: Well, uh, whether or not a player's injured shouldn't factor into whether it's a major or not. I, I, I'm i not a fan of that part, but the fact that he was given a five in a game would say that he purposely targeted that player's head and right. followed through, even though he couldn't, he could have stopped. And in, in this case, he didn't target players head on purpose. Not in my view. Um, right. With Hyman bent down, sludged over, uh, could Edmondson have just instead finished his check properly and not put his stick out a little bit? Sure. But that's why it's a penalty and not a big hit. Yeah. There's a reason why the league didn't have a conversation with Edmondson after the game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But But it really, that was but really like that was after, the turning point uh, but after that though that's there was three goals scored 5 on 3 and yep. then all and then all of a sudden the canadians got on the gas right after that and um uh dadnov scored a second of the season assisted by uh, armia and i believe kovacevic got an assist on that one as well um armia got a quick shot on net got his first point of the season thank god it finally came um and dadnov potted that in uh, soon after the Canadians get a little bit of a um, a power play opportunity from a hooking penalty off of McDavid when um, Matheson was cutting to the net and we see Jack Guy jump in for this time, score his fourth of the year. Um, I like that sequence because I, I don't know if he was just trying to get the shot through. Or if he was saying, hey, I'm the best option. But what I like it is that Slavkovsky was looking for that puck. And he was lifting his stick a few times. And I don't know if that was more of a decoy or or what happened on that play. But Dracca, I thought he was the best option. And apparently he was. And he ended up scoring his fourth of the year.
0: Now, that play, I agree. He it looked like he was going for the simplistic approach. And... Yeah. You look at how he walked in an extra five, six feet because he was given that lane. Uh, Slavkovsky off to the side, drew one of the defenders by being so open and calling for it. Uh, and Jack guy's not known for having a blistering shot, but what he is known for is accuracy. He's able to get shots on net. And in in that play, it looked as if he's he thought, eh, I got some space, I'll just take a quick shot. And it, it, it went in.
1: So, right now, he is leading. I think he's leading all rookie defensemen in the NHL in goals. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he is, yeah, and he's got, he's, uh. Savard's got eight points. Jacki's got seven. And Ghoulie's got nine as of right now, so. The, uh, the rookies wise, he's yeah. right up there. Yeah. But rookies, rookies are uh, leading the way for the Canadians this year on the blue line is that's pretty much all they are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of hopeful in watching this because they have got so many rookies, like you mentioned, and pretty much all of them are playing so well throughout the year. I mean, yeah, there's a couple of ups and downs. Harris has had a couple of bad games, but overall globally, uh, the rookie defensemen have stepped up. Yeah. Kovacevic you you watch a game and find an event where Kovacevic's name pops out for you. The fact that you don't notice him says a lot about the effectiveness of his play. Yeah. Like
1: the the goal that ended up being the winner, the nurse goal. You yeah. can that was a little bit on Kovacevic, but it was mostly on Jake Evans.
0: Yeah, Evans lost his man.
1: Right. Because you don't let a guy from the blue line just skate in like that and uh, and get that close to your goalie. Um, but it was pressure that was on Kovacevic. But at the same time, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame the defense much in that game because the majority of the players that were playing were <laughs> were rookies. And at that point, Evanson was gone. They knew, they, they knew he wasn't going to come back.
0: To mention, they were used heavily in the penalty kill. They put yes. in a lot of minutes in that period. They did. Uh, prior to, because they had to kill not one, two, but try to kill three straight five-on-threes. I mean, right. not, not like there was a gap in there either. Nope. They were back to back to back. The second one player came out, they threw another one in. I, I'm not saying that the Canadians did not deserve the penalties. But how often do you see calls like that being made in a game and then continued? I mean, right. they let a lot of stuff go one way, call stuff another way. Well, like uh, The standards look, that they're calling change. I look at the McDavid goal that made it 5-3.
1: And yeah. uh, just before that, I'll, Evan's name's coming up again, he was coming over the blue line. I believe it was Costin gave him a bump at the blue line clearly an interference call mm-hmm. and probably 20 30 seconds later the pucks up the ice no whistle in between and McDavid you know uses his speed cuts through and scores what ends up being the uh, the 5 on the, the 5 3 goal which at that point pretty much put it out of hand for or out of uh, out of the way for them to pick up a victory so it was uh it wasn't the most consistent called game i'm not going to say that that's why they lost um clearly the canadians uh, discipline or maybe some of the decisions they made weren't necessarily there but you look at any team and you get three get pretty much three consecutive five on threes you're not going to win that game
0: especially not against a team that's running at a 28% on their power play who boasts Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid right. as shooters on their power play. Right. You will not win those games. Yeah. Uh, granted, Edmonton stole a win because of their power play. Yeah. But that's what good teams need to do. And right. Edmonton is desperately fighting for that uh, that playoff seeding. So good for them. I mean, I'm not uh, – they. Overall, I thought they played a fairly strong game and no one could say that the game between those two teams wasn't exciting to watch.
1: No, it had, a, it's had, a, it had its moments. If you ask Jack Michaels, it was the entire game. Um, oh yeah. But,
0: Domination. <laughs> right. It,
1: it, it had its moments, but uh, if. Uh, like If you're, if you're a fan of, you know, power play after power play after power play. <laughs> Which I am not. I real. I do enjoy no. watching five on five hockey. Then it was the game for you. But looking at their next game against the Canucks, a team that's been very, very much hit or miss this season, um, this is one that they're going to want to go into and kind of make a statement and 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 pick up uh, and pick up. A, I'm not going to say a much needed win, but they want to get back to their winning ways. Let's just say that they they had a, they still had a strong game against Edmonton despite the loss, they didn't have a strong game against Calgary and they picked up a win. So how about a strong game where they pick up a win?
0: That would be nice. Put the two together. Right. Now, part of the, uh, the road trip thus far, uh, has been the use of Slavkovsky in a top six role on the Monahan line. Right. Uh, Which against is something Calgary, we've been asking
1: he... for for a long time.
0: Exactly. So he put in about 12 minutes and 30 seconds worth of ice time in the game against Calgary, the game against Edmonton, despite all of those five on threes and all the penalties, he still ended up just under 15 minutes. So you're seeing Slavkovsky being given a little bit more and a little bit more, and he he's becoming more noticeable in those times. Uh, he's scoring goals, getting assists. He got an assist in that game against uh, Edmonton. Um, and Yes, there's some issues with his game, but he's a rookie, he's still learning, but you can see what he's slowly becoming, and he's gaining more. So the game against Vancouver, I'm hoping to see, uh, <laughs> with the lack of all the five-on-threes, a little bit more ice time towards Slavkowski and his line with Monaghan, maybe, right. maybe uh, upwards of 16 minutes, just to see how he does against a team like Vancouver, who they're up and down, but they are, they do have a lot of very good pieces there. They
1: do. They've got firepower and I will not underestimate them. When you look at some of the weapons they have in Patterson, Horvat, who's having a very good season. He got 19 goals this year, uh, contract year. He wants, uh, he wants to be, um, he wants everyone to be looking at him. That's for sure. Possibly guys that are going to sign him in the off season. If he, if he doesn't resign in Vancouver, um, they've got Miller. They've still got Quinn Hughes who, uh, who right now has 23 assists and no goals. So um, I know a lot of us were looking at Barzell at the start of the year because he didn't have a goal and he had a whole hell of a lot of assists. Well, now it's Quinn Hughes. Uh, you've got uh, Kuzmenko, Kas- who come over from the KHL who's starting to heat up and he's almost a point-of-game player. Um, they've got all these tools, but their defense is very poor. Yes. And their number one goaltender who hasn't really been playing like their number one goaltender in Demko is actually it with an injury right now. So you're So the Canadians are either going to see Spencer Martin or they're going to see Delea, who was just called up. So Spinal mm-hmm. Martin played the other night against Arizona. Could we see Martin again, or are they going to throw delay in
0: against the, against the Canadians on Monday night? It's hard to say. I would assume Martin gets to start because there's been a couple of days in between. Um, and a player on the Canucks lineup that that's going to be of interest to me in that game is Brock Besser, right? Because he has always been a Habs killer, but there's some issues with him and the team right now. They've given him permission to talk to other teams to try and facilitate a trade. So whatever the reason, he just doesn't fit with them anymore, even though he's a highly skilled
1: scoring winger. He is. Um, there was a lot of talks that he was going to get, uh, he was going to be the healthy scratch the other night. He ended up still playing the game. He ended up scoring a goal, um, yeah. and he's sitting on 15 points in 19 games right now with only four goals. And like, guess that's a low number for Besser. He's really known more as a goal scorer than a uh, than a playmaker. But you still got a guy that's got 15 points in 19 games. You look, you throw that on the Canadians lineup, and all of a sudden, you're not doing too bad.
0: No, exactly. And you got to keep in mind as well. Uh, it's not like he the team is doing him any favors by playing so poorly yeah yeah it'll be last season they were just potting him yeah
1: it'd be interesting to see if he gets traded where he ends up he's i think he's making just over six million a year for the next couple seasons after this he's on a three-year deal making like 6.3 or 6.4 or something like that um he could really flourish on another team and if they're giving him permission to talk to other teams it might be a buy low on him that might really pay off for another team, and I've been a fan of his. I the this you know he's got quite the story with his uh, his you know his father just passed away recently of cancer, and I think it would have been a really uh, a kind of a disservice to him if they would have scratched him last night because it was their hockey fights cancer game. So I I don't know if that was the reason they end up saying ah we'll put you in, but I'm happy that uh, I'm happy he played last night. And I'm happy that he scored a goal.
0: And I think this is going to be an interesting time as well, because the uh, the Ottawa senators have been sending a lot of people to watch Habs games, including the GM and the assistant GM. If people out there don't believe me, go check out Montreal hockey. Now Marco D'Amico put friend of the show, Marco D'Amico. Hey Marco. Uh, He put out quite a bit of information on the scouts that were showing up to multiple games in a row. And the the GM the assistants uh, the pro uh, the head uh, scouting head of pro scouting was at several games, including on this road trip. So, maybe Ottawa sees something and there's a deal to be made there, so that the Senators can finally end their rebuild and move up ahead of the yeah. Canadians, who are actually rebuilding, right?
1: Well, you look at the you look at the you look at the the bodies that they brought in. It was a kind of a wholesale change for the Sens, and yeah. so far, it just it hasn't worked out. Some of the firepower that they have, um, you look at them throughout the lineup, and you're like, you should be a better team than what you're putting on the ice.
0: Yeah, but if they do need a defenseman, I mean, Edmondson's right there.
1: He is. It would be a it would be a, a drop in the leadership group, that's for sure. If they were to move him out,
0: true. But- you get a good price for him, yeah. With the way the rookie defensemen are playing, you got him. You got to ma- yeah, make the move.
1: Yeah, but then it's, who do you bring in to fill the void, right? So,
0: I don't think you need to bring anybody in.
1: You do, you do, but you really? know, like when you, if I'm looking at a tough minute guy, I'd rather have Edmondson in there than a Chris Weidman.
0: True.
1: Right. So, uh, and however, I, and I wouldn't want to put that much pressure on. Jack Guy yet or on Kovacevic?
0: I think you can spread those minutes around to all of those young guys. I mean, more time for them to play on a, in a season that really there's no pressure. Right.
1: What does Emerson still have left on his contract? One more season at 3.5 after this. One more season. See, I could see him moving maybe after next year, right? in into next year, if he's going to move at all
0: summertime trade deadline yeah. kind of thing if he's sure, gonna if he's sure. gonna
1: move at all because it's gonna sh- they're gonna shore up a little bit more money to spend um they obviously they get assigned sign uh, caulfield etc but i don't think he's gonna move just yet i think they want to see i think they want to see maybe a full season from their youth see what they're looking at and they don't want to fast track some of the youth into playing these tough minutes that quick you don't want to see Kovacevic yeah. or Harris or Jack, I have, have to be shuffled into a fourth line or a fourth era into a top four role right away when Ghouli right now is, is playing to that level. Like I can see Ghouli going out there day after day and playing against top competition. And I don't have a problem with that. He's been the one that in that mix, that rotating uh mix of defensemen, he's the one that you're necessary you are 100% not taking out of the lineup, but he's but he's proven that with his play the other fellas haven't just yet
0: true no I'm not I'm not disagreeing whatsoever I'm just thinking that you can give a little bit more time a little bit more developmental opportunities yeah I wouldn't be I wouldn't be heartbroken if they got a good return for him right right away that right it depends but, on the deal,
1: obviously. Like anything yeah. else, we've talked yeah, to, exactly. we've talked about him a bit. We've talked about uh, Anderson a bit. We've talked about other pieces, and it really comes down to what the trade entails, what what they can get for them. I just think that if a trades to be made, maybe it's more of an off season thing. Um, you look at some of the money that they're going to be getting rid of in Dadnov, Drouin, et etc. You're going to have a little bit more to play with, so maybe, sure. yeah, m- maybe a deal will be there to. Uh, to be had to
0: bring in another guy. Now, before we end it, because we're going to cut this sh- uh, this episode a little shorter than normal because we don't have Treg rambling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Canadians' final game on this road trip is going to be against the Seattle Kraken, who, yep. oddly enough, are one of the better teams in the uh, the Western Conference. They are. Now, part of that game, it's about the same time that Shane Wright's uh, time in the AHL will be up and he'll be available to them to play. Do you think that they're going to actually dress him for a game to play the Habs before he gets the opportunity to go to the World Juniors? It's hard to say because if he does, it's
1: a publicity thing. If not, one of his first games back after the World Juniors is in Montreal. So I could see that as more of a target especially if Canada does well, especially if he does well at the world juniors to come back, ride a high, go into Montreal where you were drafted and try to say like, Hey, you guys should have drafted me and try to have a strong game. It wouldn't surprise me if they, they injected him into the lineup um, based on his showing so far with uh, their AHL affiliate. However, they've also got a good thing going.
0: Yeah, so, they're not going to change the so they're exactly. not going to change what
1: they're doing. Do you really want to change your lineup just to say like, hey, we have this and you have Slepylovskiy? Yeah. So, now, I can see it happening for publicity wise. Yeah. If I'm Seattle, I don't make the change. I say go to the juniors, perform, bring home gold for your country, and then we'll see how you look when you come back.
0: But if he does play for whatever reason, Uh, how long is he going to stare down the bench (laughs) longer than Jordan Bennington (laughs) 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 yeah yeah that's true yeah and maybe he just stares up at the press box or if he is in the press box does he just sit and stare at Hughes oh maybe he just looks just looking across the whole time.
1: <laughs> just dead ass it's, it's, staring at me. It's in the it's, eye. it's hard to say. You know the kid's gonna be a good player. Like we poke fun at him, yeah. we poke and, and everything else. You know the kid's gonna be a good player. And if he ends up playing for Team Canada, the juniors, I hope that he does well. I hope he's a leader for that team, and I hope he does help Canada bring home um a gold medal on Canadian soil. Um, mm-hmm. however, with how they've been playing and you look at some of their centers uh, in Schwartz, McCann, Beneers, etc., Uh, Yanni Gord, Wenberg, whoever else, um, that they're playing at these positions, geeky, etc. These are NHL players. And yeah, he's going to have
0: his, uh, he's, he's going to have, have his work his, cut out
1: to take yeah, their spot because it's geeky. That really is the one that has been, uh, has been, um, pushing the play on that fourth line right now. And he's, uh, uh, you know, half a point a game player right now, even though he's playing sub 10 minutes a game, he's, he's making the most of it. So if right now there's for, for right to come in and to be productive, he's got to be in a a top nine, top six role. And right now with the way that Seattle Kraken are playing, that's not there for him.
0: No arguments here. Now, before we sign off, or do you have any final thoughts? Um, don't know their names
1: off the top of my head because I kind of forgot about it until you asked me this. Um, but look up the story on the Brandon wheat Kings. And there were four young gentlemen that, uh, stopped a, uh, potential suicide, um, by just simply asking a gentleman if he was okay. And it looked like he was going to possibly take his life off of a bridge. And, uh, they were able to get help for him, and they most definitely saved a life that night. So good on them. And, uh, that's uh, an incredible story.
0: And it, it comes at a time when hockey culture is being just bombarded with all kinds of stuff. So hearing the good side, because there's a lot of good in the hockey world. A 100%. lot. yeah. So hearing a little bit of good news, uh, a nice story, uh, it's it's heartwarming. And I'm very, very proud of what those young men did. I'm very happy that uh, they were able to to do that for that man.
1: Okay. So I have their name, names here because okay. I don't want I don't want to not bring up their names. Uh so it was Jake Chasson, Calder Anderson, uh Nolan Ritchie, and Ben Thornton. So good good on you for uh for everything that you did. Uh you know, you didn't you could have kept driving that night. Um but the fact that you you know, you stopped your vehicle, you asked this guy if he was okay, and I said, you, you saved a life. It, as 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 Blaine alluded to, uh, in a time where it's scandal after scandal after negative press after everything else, uh, it's nice to see a positive um, story when it comes to hockey, especially in Canada, and uh, good on you for what you did.
0: And for myself, I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in, for uh, sharing with us, for sending emails, interacting with us on social media, and uh, helping us grow our subscription base by 38% year over year. Um, it, it shows that you guys like what you're hearing. We're happy about that. Uh, we're we we're very proud that you've added us. Our new listeners have added us to their rotation We know there's a ton of great shows out there. I listen to several. Uh, There's a ton of wonderful shows. Uh, We can go on for hours naming them all, but we know we're not the only show you listen to. We're happy to be part of that rotation. So again, thank you very much. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers.